0: S D S student delivers now. What in the world was that?
1: That was the intro track off the new De La Soul album. Really? That got released last week. Oh well. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Exactly. So I am so excited so to full. be here today. Yeah, it's a good day. I have my friend here, who. Oh my goodness. Okay, so has educated hundreds, entertained thousands. Mm-hmm.
2: I would say educated uh, thousands and thousands. Thou- yes, uh, and entertained multiple thousands. I like this. Yeah, I like this. this I mean, is... I'm not not to not to uh, no toot your own toot horn. Toot my toot own, horn, toot your own, own horn, but I, toot, horn. Toot, man. I just you know I just want to make sure that beep, beep. Uh, the, the
1: tooting is loud enough. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> well, and to uh, to quote or paraphrase Bob Costas as a performer one of a kind, and as a man one of the
2: kindest. Tommy Gallon. Ah, uh, thank you very much. I i am so happy you're here. Man. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, this is when, really cool. Yeah, when you first mentioned that you did this, I was like, "This is what I want to be doing." So let me get on the show with you. Yes.
1: Well, I, I, uh, we have so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Yeah. Um. How well? And I know you from teaching
2: some improv. Yeah. Teaching improv, but you do a lot more than that. I I do. Uh. I teach, well, which I could start from the beginning. Do it. Start from where you, yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> How did you get into this, man?
2: I didn't get on my baseball team when I was in freshman year of high school. Okay. And I came home sad, and my mom was like, why don't you try out for a school play? And so I auditioned, uh, got on stage, and never got off. What and, was the play? Uh, the first one that I did was 12 Angry Men. Wow. Yeah. And Diving into it. Yeah, that was the first straight play. Uh, first musical was uh, Calamity Jane. Wow, all right, all right. And then uh, senior year of high school, I went to, on our prom, we went to Dangerfields. I'm from uh, Brooklyn, New York, Uh and we went to Dangerfields in Manhattan after the prom, and I fell in love with comedy performance. That was like the first time that I had seen comedy being performed on stage. Yeah. And so I started going to a local place called Pips in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. It's not there anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we Poor Pips. Was that said, poor Pips? Yeah, Pips. It was like uh, it was actually a pretty decent club back in the day. Like, uh, it, uh, their biggest name was uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Was there all the time? I think he oh, was wow. one of the up and coming people that, that started there. Um, but I started doing stand up when I was seventeen, and then I studied acting in college, and then I got to the end of college, and I didn't know what to do with myself, so I went to law school. And yeah, I know it's wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I I knew so many of I knew so many people that had been going into law school and Mm -hmm. I was like, they're not that smart. So I always had this idea like you had to be like (laughs) super intelligent and you had to be have the, the best grades. So I figured I'd just take the test, and, and and it was either I had to go get a job after college or I had to figure out a way to stay in school. Right. And I just decided, you know what? I, I, everything that was being fed to me was like, you can't make money acting. You're not going to make money doing comedy. You're not, it was all the, these, these stories that other people were telling me. And I bought into the stories when I was 21, and I wound up going to, uh, to law school. Right. Uh, I knew I wanted to work for myself, so as soon as I got out of law school, within six months, I started a law firm. Uh, Within six months of that I had 500 cases And I represented 20 medical facilities Jesus Uh, I did that for about 10 years But over those 10 years I still produced shows Did comedy Started studying improv Like crazy Right And um in 2010 I sold my law firm and I started teaching improv to lawyers and I got the the course accredited so lawyers could get their continuing education credits every year by taking my improv classes. That's brilliant. Yeah and that was my that was my ticket in then to start teaching at a theater because no other improvisers could teach this. There was you had to the only person not only qualified but certified to do it was me. Right. So it was kind of my way of backdooring into the The teaching of improv and I was able to get the theaters in New York to coach me through how to be a a good improv teacher So then I did that, but then I've, I've been performing ever since and then in 2013 We just decided to throw all of our stuff in a car and just drive to San Diego and Live here, and it's been it's been a crazy ride. What was that
1: decision like what how'd that go down?
2: It was literally one night I was walking to the theater I had no idea anything was going to happen. I got a phone call from my wife. She had opened up Craigslist that she she had been looking for some reason months earlier at the San Diego Craigslist page. And she, when she opened it up, there was a job there for a fertility nurse. And she was mm. she's a nurse. She was in a fertility clinic. So she called me and she said, should I apply? I was like, why not? I mean, what's the, the worst that could happen is they're going to say no, and everything is the exact same as it was two seconds ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So just apply. So she applied. They interviewed her on Skype the next day. <laughs> Two days later, they made her an offer. Three days later, not even three days, three three days. So one day after the offer, we accepted it. And four weeks later, we packed our car and just drove. And that was it. I, I told uh, my boss, who was running the People's Improv Theater in New York, mm-hmm. that uh, this was something that was, some, I've always wanted to move out of New York. I'm a New Yorker through and through, but I, I wanted to try something different. And he was crazy supportive about it, you know? It's the Im- improv philosophy of mm. uh, say yes. Say yeah. yes to the things that are in front of you, take chances, take risks, figure it out while you're falling down, you know? Let things unfold as they will, and if you need to course correct, course correct. Right. And I've used that philosophy in so many different parts of my life, and it just seemed like the right move. And not, we, now we're here three years, we, don't, we haven't looked back. It's, it's perfect. I immediately started teaching improv here, performing, and I perform every week, I teach every week. It's, it's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. That yeah. is
1: excellent. Now, um, you know, you were saying that people were sort of telling you stories. Sure. When you were moving from theater to law school. Yeah. Did you have the same amount of pushback when you were like, hey, I'm going to move to San Diego now?
2: Only from family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, my, I had a four-year-old and a, an eight-month-old. So wow. I was moving the the first grandchildren away from the grandparents, so that was difficult for them. <laughs> Always tough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and that was really it though. That was really it, like everybody else, and even my parents now are very supportive. They come here all the time. We go out back to New York on a regular basis. So, yeah. you know, everybody's so busy and again you tell yourself these stories like oh if you move across the country I'm never going to see you again and that's just nonsense that's that's some right. story you're telling yourself because you're trying to keep the status quo to protect you and to make yourself feel comfortable but at the end of the day It was the right choice. And I see, you know, friends. Forget about friends. I I didn't see friends when I lived in the same city as them, you know, maybe once a year. Right. And now when you when I spend time with people that I don't see on a regular basis, it's really it it, sounds like a cliche, but it's really quality time. Like you, you 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 value that time. You make good of it. You do good stuff with it. You don't just sit around and listen to each other breathe.
1: Well, that's so intentional, too, because you really have to carve out that time. Oh, yeah. So that makes it more valuable.
2: Absolutely. And it's finite. It's right. Finite. It's like, like we know we have a week together. We know this week is going to end. We have to make use of it. Right.
1: I like that. Yeah. That's good. I wonder if there's a way to do that with friends here.
2: No. <laughs> I don't know. I think. I think that's a. It's a mindset, and it, yeah. you have to have that. Like most people, wait their entire lives to do the things that they're passionate about because right. they don't realize that that's finite, also. Right. Yeah. That so, makes sense. So. It's a, it's a matter of... I think that's why improv is great, because it's, it's a common passion. So almost all of my friends in San Diego are improvisers. When mm. I got here, that was my tribe that I, I found myself in. And so while I don't hang out very much outside the improv community to go to bars and to hang out and stuff, because I have a family, uh, I think that we share that passion. So I get to see all my friends on stage or from the audience or at the lobby or at the bar in the theater. And right. Maybe maybe the way is to, you know, the people that you're with find out what your common interests are and then do that stuff together.
1: Now tell me about that exchange when you first came to San Diego. Did you have improv connections here or no. did you just like skydive right into it and be like, no. Hey, I'm I'm Tommy, let's get into this.
2: Yeah, I I had expected see, I wanted to move to LA. Oh, and, as we all do. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and, mm. and I wanted to move to L.A. because, mostly because a lot of the people that I was not, I've never really been that interested in being famous or, you know, that that's not really, I've, in fact, I, I try so much to think about how I could translate what I do into things that would be more profitable, like movies or TV. But at the end of the day, I'm a stage person. I like to be on the stage and to have a live audience in front of me. So my idea was my, all of my friends that I had been performing with had moved or had started to. shift out to LA Mm. and I thought well let me start moving out there that's where the trajectory that's where the natural trajectory is but my wife didn't want to move to LA and so and she had never been to California so we did a trip years ago that we uh, eight years ago we went from San Francisco to LA to San Diego and she was like I'd move to San Diego Mm-hmm. Right. So I, so I thought, all right, I got my foot in the door of California. I'm two hours away from L.A. This thing came, the, you know, the, the wind of her job took our sails and brought us here. So I thought when I moved here that I'd be going back and forth to L.A. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Then when I got here, I got, like, the, the bug to get on a stage. So I started taking uh, improv classes. Um, and then I stumbled upon Finest City Improv, which was um, uh, a, a little group of people that were doing shows at the moniker warehouse and really uh, yeah I don't know the history of this yeah they were they were they were doing shows at different space they had two house teams they were teaching a level one class maybe and it was always at different spots and it was and there was a there there was side stage improv and that was also like an offshoot of national comedy theater right and everybody was doing these independent shows and then the first time I met Amy, who owns Finest City, she had invited me to a show at the Moniker Warehouse, and it was it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. And then the next time she invited me down, she invited me to the Lafayette Hotel to see this raw space that was just office space. Mm. And then we went into that office space. I met Matt Harris, who's my 2PROV uh, partner in Bicoastal, the, oh, the right. Bicoastal Experience. Yeah. And, and what's funny is he had moved here the same weekend as me from North Carolina, and we just happened to meet through improv at this space. Wow. So we immediately hit it off, and the next thing I know, they're breaking ground. Amy's asking me to teach level one classes. She put me on a, a house team, and that was it. So from the, the, the groundbreaking of that theater, I was, I was in. Wow. Uh, and then having experience, a lot of their top instructors have moved here from LA, Chicago, New York. So mm-hmm. the people that you're studying from have studied in you know the the improv meccas of of the United States, which has been amazing. Right. And for me coming from New York, it, it had I had a little bit of street cred, being able to say that I've I'm from New York, I've performed in New York, I've been on some of the top comedy stages in New York, I taught at the People's Improv Theater in New York. Uh, so it was. It was a nice ticket, and you know, it was. It was nice to be a a medium fish in a small bowl at that time.
1: Right, yeah. right. That's cool. And then it's grown so much since then. Oh yeah, it's like, exploded. It is a huge. It's an institution now. I think. I mean, I'm I'm super super new to it. I started in October. So. Yeah. I'm coming up on like a year being with these guys, and I'm really, really impressed with the communities going on. And
2: That's what it is. It's, it's yeah. about community. It's 95% of the people that are coming to study improv, and I believe a, a, a smaller percentage, but still a pretty big chunk in the big cities, Uh, are not coming because they want to be improvisers. They're coming because they want to uh, maybe be a better public speaker. Maybe they want to have a community. They want to push their boundaries. They want to see they want to learn a little bit about comedy. But it's not that they're looking to fast track it to Saturday Night Live or anything like that. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So you wind up being amongst a bunch of people that have similar interests and improv's all about support and taking care of each other and making the other person look better than you. And when everybody plays that game, it you can't help but foster a, a solid community. It tends to push the jerks out after a while. That's a good point Yeah,
1: no, it's very true. What do you say to and, and this is probably the most common response when I tell people that I'm starting to kind of dip A toe into this. What do you What? what is your response to the oh, I could never do that?
2: That's again. It's a story. That's a yeah. story that I mean Tell, me, tell, me, tell uh, me. how many how many things did you think you couldn't do 15 years ago that you've done you know how many uh, diets or, or life changes or uh, asking that girl to go to the movies with you or like there's there's ex- examples of that over your entire life and uh, most most of us tell us that story again because the brain your brain can be a jerk your brain wants to keep you safe it loves mm-hmm. you and it wants to keep you protected so it tells you a lot of stories about what you can't do your heart wants to uh, love and be open and try new things. So you have to listen to your heart and not your brain. Um, so what are these stories? First of all, it's a lie that you think you know what improv is. Or That's you, true. You know, without, without
1: trying it, yeah.
2: You have no idea. You have no right. idea. It looks. It's like saying, I can't do magic. But once you see how the trick is done then you can do that trick. It's just, my, my dad used to have this great saying, everything's difficult until you know how to do it. And it's true. You know, you it, it, for me, what seems difficult to me now would be to start a multi-million dollar company. Right. But my dad was born on a farm in Czechoslovakia. And he came to this country, didn't speak English, totally broke. He, he came here only because uh, at that time in 1969, Russia had surrounded Czechoslovakia. And the president of Czechoslovakia opened up the gates and said, listen, if you can leave, leave. And he wow. was studying in Austria at the time. So uh, he went back to college, packed up his stuff. And then just three months later, hightailed it out and moved to New York. Jeez. And then he managed to build a, uh, a biomedical engineering company and that was a multi-million dollar company, and you know what, and then he lost it all. So it's like, you you don't know what's possible. You, You, even when you have everything, you tell yourself a story that you're always going to have everything. And right. really, the only, the only thing that's constant in life is change. And that's mm. something that improv taught me, is that you have to be adaptable always. You have to always be flexible to the moment. And right. you have to never get too locked up in your stories of the past or your, your beliefs about what's possible in the future.
1: One of the things that you taught me in our most recent class that really resonated with me more, the most, I think, is when you tell yourself, I'm afraid, that's when you tell yourself, I must.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's where you got to go. Absolutely. So we say, follow the fear. Yes. Follow the fear. If you if 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 the fear is in front of you, then you must jump through it. Uh, yes. It, because because again, your fear is your brain trying to keep you safe. It's right. trying to keep you. But I I can guarantee you, people don't people don't die after they do improv you know they right. don't, people don't have heart attacks on stage from the fear <laughs> what happens is you get on the stage you break through the fear and then you get off the stage and you feel empowered my wife I had been trying to get her for years to take an improv class right. and she was terrified of it not a performer ever Right. Um, I finally got her to take a class in San Diego just a level one class she loved it and she wound up quitting her job after about two weeks after she graduated from that class. And she decided to put herself into freelance writing, which is what she really wanted to do. And wow. now she cannot, she, she cannot find the time to do all of the freelance writing that she's doing. And she's making just about as much money as she was as a nurse. So it's the stories we tell ourselves about what's possible and what's not possible. And I, I think you're better off taking those chances, taking the jump. And then course correcting if it's not working, mm-hmm. you, you can always course correct. But in improv and I think in life, you're uh, you should always be defaulting towards action, but towards doing something, right. Go, going ugly early and then changing it and growing. That's true. No, I totally agree
1: with that. As do I. Yes. What do you think about What do you think about improv, Marcus? So you? um, You've seen me perform once. Right? Was it once? Yeah, I think you came and well, saw me. Uh, I've seen you live. Well, once. yeah, here, yeah, but uh, you saw me on stage, uh, performing with a uh, putting some someone oh, putting a bag. Yeah, a bag. Uh, the, the, somebody had a bag that had a head full of bees on right.
0: my head. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed yelling. your performance. Uh, in regards to me, I, I don't just think it's uh, probably not my thing, and I can yeah. say that with with some confidence. Okay. I don't have a. Uh, you know, trouble speaking. Although I do think the uh, opportunity to create something out of nothing, uh, even so on the spot, is, uh, uh, is what, do, what do you call it? Tickles me a little bit. Sure but I, I, I still think at the end of the day, it's not. I'd rather watch the performance uh, than be the performer.
1: Well, I've seen you, I've heard some of the things like you have some of the promos that you've made.
0: And I think you're a really good writer. You really so like you really, really love that one. Those. So we were in class, yeah. uh, like when we first met. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I did this promo. It was for like an assign uh, an assignment where you had to it just a, pro- a pro- thirty second promo for your show. And he and when I played it in class, it, it the idea was it was um, I was an ice cream man handing out like samples of my show. The samples being ice cream. Nice. And he absolutely loved, it. and you really loved the the like the overdubbing.
1: Yeah, because you overdubbed. You were like six I different was six characters. Kids. Yeah, he was I six, six different kids. It. I knew somebody would love it. And he I used different voices. It. it was really, really intricate, and right. it was well produced. And oh. it's like, come on, man! See, that's the stuff that I think you can develop, even not necessarily performing on stage. That's what I tell people that are a little nervous about improv, is. Look, you can take the class. You don't have to perform if you
2: don't want to. Sure. Every level one class is pretty much like a vocabulary class and a class that shows you... Uh, how to play again like a kid yes how to let go of your uh, the brain that's trying to protect you and just be you know because what's nice is in a room full of people that are acting like chickens the <laughs> person who stands out is a person that's not acting like a chicken right, right. so yeah. there's something about being in a group of people and just being allowed to play and be silly and let go that's really cool and the other thing is a lot of what we don't realize is even in, in that, that thing that you produced, you were improvising, right? Right, and right. We, we're all improvisers because yes. improv is not a it's not just a skill for the stage. Also, people think improv, they think comedy, mm-hmm. but like jazz is improvised. Right, right. Sometimes mm-hmm. jazz is improvised. Art can be improvised. Dance can be improvised. Absolutely. This conversation is improvised that we're having right now. Technically, we're improvising right now because I don't know what you're going to ask me next. Right. I don't know what we're going to do for the next hour and a half. But what I do know is that there are certain parameters that we will be within. We're going right. to be in this room. There's going to be microphones in front of our faces. Mm-hmm. We're going to have headsets on, and right. we're going to talk. Right. Other than that, everything else is improv. Yeah. So, and and if we didn't. Then when you're driving to work in the morning and there's uh, an accident on the street, you would just go home and call it a day but we right. don't. We're constantly <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out how to get around the blocks of our life, the boundaries right. in our life, how to improvise past the, the challenges that are holding us back. So I think everybody could benefit um, from at least one improv class, if not mm-hmm. a level one, then just a, a quick drop in. Or a, I, I taught corporate classes for years. I still do. I teach lawyers. So why why would improv? Why would lawyers want to take an improv class? Oh, are you kidding? You know, it's like yeah, it's just the body language. How are you holding yourself? What's the, what's the story that your body is telling to the jury while you're speaking to the judge what happens when you get stumped by something your witness answers something wrong are you right. going to show them that you're sweating or can you be in control of that and even if you never took an improv class but you are able to control those things and you're conscious of it then you you're improvising right improv the classes just give you uh, a framework of what you're doing so that way you're even more aware next time you're you're in that that moment it brings that consciousness to you yeah, I totally. took
1: my the level 1 I took with Cat Brown, who's fantastic. Oh, she's great. Oh my gosh. And um it really did. It and I, I wrote this, I wrote a little thing. It was it flipped a switch in my brain. Yeah. Where I said, "Oh, I I've already been doing this. This is something that I've kind of gotten away from as I've gotten a little older, but this is something I need to return to." Yeah. This is because this is something that's uh, it it feels like when you take that level 1 class, it's it's, it gives you a realization, a conscious realization that something is out of balance within you. Mm. That's what it felt like to me. And sure. I'm like, okay, well, let's bring this back into balance.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, the the skills that you're learning, when you really distill it down, they're skills that you're already using. They're, they're, they're things that you're leaning on. Mm-hmm. So just to have a that vocabulary and to see how it plays out when you're trying to create something out of nothing on stage, you know, Listening. How many times we we say listen, listen, listen? But right. people listen mostly just for their turn to respond, yes. rather oh. than listening to learn and then listening to transform. You can right. tell
0: when people are doing that, by the way. Sure. Like if you're talking to somebody and they're just like it's it's the entire facial expression, it's in the eyes of someone that's right. just and it's it's actually quite annoying. It's almost
1: like a it's almost like a
0: runner at the starting blocks,
1: like you just waiting for be them like, like, to stop. You're like, okay,
0: there I go. Yeah, so I just want to be like, can you stop thinking about what you're going to say and listen? I have this 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 idiot at work who's like who never like he does not listen to you. He he is just waiting for the response, and it would it would be worth it if the response was halfway decent, but of course it never is. Well, you just got to throw something in there at the very end,
1: like. And that's why I'm joining the circus. Right. Or something right. something like that. See if it just, they're listening. It, yeah it'll be like blah blah yeah.
2: blah. Yeah. Yeah. And that you know, and that that type of situation, like when you have somebody that you, you feel is not listening or they are uh, you know, just a, a jerk or something. That what what I teach in improv for in- performers, we talk a lot about status. Right. Yes. So, are, and when I enter a scene, am I a high-status character? Are you a low-status character? Is there a way of adjusting that status? Uh, and what I, the, the the example that I give is, if if I were just to say, employer employee, mm-hmm. you're going to think, okay, the employer has high status, the employee has low status. Right. Right. Just it's just that that's the framework that we have. Sure. But when the employee opens up the drawer and finds the love letter between the assistant and the boss. Now the status shifts because they have the upper hand, right? Mm -hmm. So when I teach non-performers, lawyers or CEOs or docs, whatever, uh, I use this idea of status as recognizing the the other person's status that they believe they have. Right. So if somebody is not listening to you, it's probably because they think they have a higher status than you. And and they don't feel like it's necessary to really, truly listen to somebody that's lower status. And in those situations, what I say is like if I had a judge that was like that, I give status to the judge. If I know that that judge is like you're in my courtroom on time and you hand in your briefs and when your case is called, you come up, here. you better not have your cell phones on you know I'm not going to violate that judge's perception of their own status. Right. But another judge that might be like shows up 20 minutes late with her cup of coffee, totally relaxed, just in regular clothes, not in the robe, calls the calendar slow, I'll step up there and I'll give them the status that they want to feel. You right. know, When you feed somebody the status that they believe, all of a sudden their ears start opening up and their eyes start opening up and they want to hear what you have to say. So sometimes it's just a matter of knowing how to play the game on both sides.
1: It's almost like radio where you... You broadcast at a frequency. I mean, that's how a radio works is that a little receiver puts out a signal at a specific frequency and meets the broadcasting signal where it's at. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with our brains, too. If you, I mean, our brains are such powerful electrical devices sure. that if you're putting out a specific frequency, it's going to get met with what's out ever out in the world.
2: Totally. So yeah, just relationships. It, it opens that. Yeah. You think about like uh, like a romantic relationship relationship. I'm married right. and um I know that if if my wife is upset about something and she's mm-hmm. putting out the frequency of I need to get this off my chest, right? but I'm putting out the frequency of I'm going to solve this problem. Yeah. It's just like pouring gasoline on the fire and yep. I have to be like I have to adjust my strategy to meet her where she needs to be met. And then once we're on the same team, we can problem solve together. Right. Right. So it's, yeah, it's it's a matter of, and, and I think, I mean, I think it all comes down to consciousness and awareness. And Absolutely. De- being present in the moment, uh, understanding that your brain is trying to create a script for the future and you're better off burning, burning that script and just staying present with what's going on right now in the moment.
1: That's what I used to do. When I had anxiety for performing for improv shows, is I would allow my brain to create those scripts. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Here we're gonna go do this thing where I'm gonna be the realtor for the guy that's selling the Playboy Mansion, and <laughs> you know, seeing all the crazy things that are behind the walls or whatever. I'm interested in
2: that one. We'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. That might be for my sketch writing class that I'm doing now.
1: Uh, but then, as soon as I get to the theater, just burn it all.
2: Yeah, you Just have to
1: allow myself to, you know, go down the rabbit hole, but then discard it.
2: Yeah. The thing is, you, you're you not in control of that rabbit hole. That's your yeah. subconscious trying to protect you again
1: and fighting it isn't going to help
2: you. No, it's going to make you more more nervous. Exactly. It's going to make you more nervous. Exactly. And honestly, uh, I, I truly believe that the mistakes that we make on stage that we mm. then justify and weave into something brilliant are way more interesting and funny and entertaining than when we're writing something on the sidelines. Because right. that thing that you're writing on the sidelines is not going to happen anyway. Every single right. plan you ever make in your life will be adjusted at some point. So you cannot be married to them. Otherwise, the, 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 the space between expectation and reality is going to be big enough that all of your miserableness and pity and upset feelings are going to sit in there.
1: Which you're going to just put on display because those are the framing on the each, either side of that. Totally totally yeah oh my gosh yeah I've done that many times where I've gone out on stage and said okay I got this great thing I'm gonna go out there and then the other person says something completely different. I'm like oh toss that gotta toss it
2: yeah you have to you have and to it's better that to it. way I prefer that actually it's it's freeing once you yeah. submit once you surrender to that philosophy mm-hmm. it's very liberating because you cannot make a mistake And when you're playing with other people that their core belief is, my job is to make you look better than me, Mm -hmm. then you can get a, I did a show recently where my my, uh, scene partner, Matt, he, uh, I was proposing to him Okay. And he got so he was my my girlfriend in the scene. We were at the end of the show and he got so excited that he threw his he flailed his arms back. He wound up hitting a chair that fell into the audience. Mm. Oh, my and, gosh. And I, at which, you know, you'd consider that a huge mistake. You're not supposed to throw things into the audience. Right. Mostly, <laughs> mostly not. Uh, mm. You know, he he didn't intend for that to happen. So yeah. it was an unintentional move. And I immediately came out and I said, did you just throw the chair out the window? And now we were on a 29th story of a, of a building. Right. And he ex- explained, I, I was so excited. I, I just I didn't realize I hit the chair. And that then changed the dynamic of the scene and the trajectory of it. And it's like once you realize that there are no mistakes, just uh, adjustments that put you in a new direction that you can always justify and course correct, you're, you don't allow fear to paralyze you anymore. Right. And it's taken me years to learn that. Because even I've been I've started producing uh, videos for YouTube now, and I'm putting out memes, and I'm really I'm at that point where I've yeah, and they're all improv related, and I feel like this is I I finally I've been doing this long enough that I feel like I've hit that point where my education is now hit the crossroads of my uh, my publicity trying to publicize what I do to get it to a broader audience, right? And a lot of what I did was held back because of that fear of the mistake. So I committed myself in July to do a video every single day. Yeah, I liked those. Those were really good. They were fun. And And I look at them now and I could see all of the learning curve that happened. And I didn't know why... I was doing it. Other than it was interesting, and I and I was still afraid because I thought I was going to make mistakes. And looking back, I could see tons of things that I would change now. Mm-hmm. But but just taking that step has put me in a place now that my videos are sharper. They're shorter. Uh, they they're they're funnier. They're they're more uh, pointed to the the issue that I'm trying to address. And I'm even using it in another business that I have. I own a a company called San Diego Rain Gutters. Yes. Actually, no. It's San Diego Gutters. There's another company called San Diego Rain Gutters, and we work very closely together. Oh, you do? Yeah. It's funny. When I moved here, this is, again, making mistakes, taking shots, uh, taking care of people. I moved to San Diego. My father was a roofer. Uh, My stepdad in New York was a roofer, and he taught me how to do gutter cleaning and stuff like that. So even when I practiced law... When you're first starting any business, you need to make money, and I was always able to just buy a ladder and get up there and get my exercise and get paid for that exercise. Sure. So I started doing that here, and in Brooklyn, I own Brooklyn Gutters. So I figured I'll start San Diego Gutters. Within like a month, I get an email from the owner of San Diego Rain Gutters, and he's like, "You're using our name, and oh. I don't want to get litigious, but you have to stop using our name." Oh mm-hmm. my gosh! And I explained, I was like, "Listen, first of all, I'm not using your name. Mine you're is San not, yeah. Diego Gutters. I'm you're not San Diego using Rain. Your you're San Diego Rain Gutters." <laughs> yeah. But I said, you know what? Instead of us being adversaries, do you install gutters or clean them? And he's like, we only do installations. I was like, good. I only do cleaning. How about I refer you every single house that needs new gutters? And you refer me all the houses that are too small for you to clean their gutters because you're not doing cleaning. And now for the last like two years, two and a half years, we have an amazing relationship. They provide me with business. I provide them. That's fantastic. Uh, Yeah. So it's like you can take, again, you take these things that... Most people, a lawyer, would say, you made a mistake by not doing a name search before you picked your name. I disagree. I think I I took a shot. I turned that mistake into uh, a benefit. And now, and and it wasn't just my benefit. My first thought was, how do I help this guy? How do I help San Diego rain gutters? Yeah. Yeah. So take care of other people and see how that then, how the dividends start to pay back.
1: And that goes back to meeting them at their status. Totally. Which is great. And totally. it's taking that improv philosophy to a place where it doesn't normally go. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Well, let's play. Uh, let's play some more music here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got. Uh, we we're listening to a lot of the new De La Soul album. We've got some other stuff too. Uh, it was a little tricky because there's uh, a lot of profanity, and I wasn't <laughs> able to get radio edits. But uh, there are some good ones in here. So. Yeah, just let it fly. Uh no, oh. I don't have the. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the twenty seven grand to handle that right now. At this point, right at this point, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We're gonna call that, but soon. That's right. All right. This is actually the you know that was the intro that we kind of played. Yeah. It was a little intro with who Jill. The, who was the vocals on that? Jill Scott. Ah. Jill Scott is really really good. I've got some other stuff with her um, that we can play as well if you're interested. But um, this one is called Royalty Capes. And um, it's it's pretty good. I it's a different flavor than the traditional De La Soul that you think like me myself and I. For and, sure,
2: it's twenty years later,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, De La Soul has an interesting place in my heart because they had a song um, that was part of the Judgment Night soundtrack. Did you ever see that movie?
2: No, I don't think so. It
1: was it, the movie was forgettable. It had. Um, <laughs> Rude. <laughs> well, you know, it was okay. But the thing was the soundtrack was good because they did every track was um a hip hop artist and a rock artist together. So okay. De La Soul and Teenage Fan Club huh. had a song on there and it was really good. Yeah, and it's all nineties stuff, but um it was you know Before so my they <laughs> stop it.
2: That's what I love.
1: The nineties. Yeah. Oh the nineties. <laughs> oh man. That's when I got turned on to all this. But uh, this is cool. This is a new permutation that they've got going on. So we'll listen to this and uh, get back on the other side of this on
0: SDS. Student Delivered Sound. SDS. Student Delivered Maggots.
2: (laughs) Uh. Don't
1: do it. We were talking about gross stuff in between the songs. Maggots. Uh, (laughs) We heard De La Soul, and then we heard a little bit of People Under the Stairs with uh, OST featuring Odell.
0: It totally sounded like you said, we're De La Soul. Which no. I had no idea. Yes, that, we right? are. Get ready. I, okay, <laughs>
1: we're going on tour. We're going on tour tonight.
0: Okay, where are we yeah. playing at?
1: Uh, let's see, San Diego. Where would De La stay, <laughs> Yes, man?
0: we're in San Diego. I don't know. Oh, I I can't even. I, I was surprised to see Blues? that. Um, August.
2: I am I'm, I'm uh, on Facebook. I'm a member yeah. of a group that's like '90s hip or old school hip hop. Right, right. And I saw there that this album was coming out, and I was actually blown away that this wasn't bigger news. Yeah, you know, at tribe tribe called Quest, I think is, has an album coming out. That was I'm excited for that. that. Me too. They're like they're yeah. my probably my favorite 90s hip hop. Right. But like De La Soul, I, I loved in the 90s, and uh, I thought they were bigger than than what my brain would be. You know, I thought thought that like a lot of brains would be on that and be like, hey, this is a big thing, and I'd see it. But apparently not. Well, I think that there were a couple albums that got
1: released you know in over the past decade or so that we're like yeah so i think that may have lowered their buzz a little bit gotcha um but uh, Tribe, I'm really interested because, what is it, Fife, Fife Dog passed away. He did. Yeah, so... I think,
2: but I think it's stuff that he recorded before that. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because
1: I liked... I don't know if you ever heard some of his solo stuff. Not too much, no. Yeah, I have a couple of his solo songs, and they're actually really, really good. Again, not playable on the radio, but really, really good. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's a challenge um, trying to find a lot of that kind of music that I want to play because... Um, you, the language was well, like 90s hip-hop.
0: Don't you just edit it yourself
2: weren't you it's, doing that for a while?
1: It sounds Terrible when I do that. What it do you sound, do you
2: put it like on a garage d- band and hit a hit a button? Yeah, or just like a little well
1: Usually I just like drop the volume right right when they curse or like halfway through the curse yeah. word
2: you what you should do is you should over, I know exactly what you're gonna say. overdub yourself yes. <laughs> Saying a <Yes>. less, vulgar <laughs> 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 less vulgar word. Yes, yes. buttons <laughs> upper nickel <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I actually did that. Remember, there was a stand-up comedian that I had, I put, I had on. Yes, the show. I remember well, that. I had a recording of the stand-up comedian. He was telling a story, and he used the n-word a lot. Yeah, and it was central to the story. Mm. So I was like, so I actually recorded me saying. The N-word. And yeah, like, it and it, the funny thing was that was actually funnier than the story. So it, it kinda took away from the story a little bit. It worked
2: seamlessly. It's funny. <laughs> I think that you, you you think about like vulgar words and the more we like restrict words the yeah. more taboo they become exactly. and then the more like vulgar they appear and right. like i've been listening to a whole lot of podcasts lately yeah and after while like their podcasts that I, I have three children i would not let my children listen to them right so they don't really need I, I you know i'm i'm adult and mature enough to self-regulate sure but after a while listening to it it the words don't have the same meaning right yeah.
1: Well, and that's why I'm excited right now in this sort of, in this generation, that um, everyone has a cell phone and they can look up whatever they want and sure. have it in their oh. hand at any time. Because it does take away a lot of that taboo, like, oh, this is restricted. Sure. I mean, even if it's, you know, a terrible example, but it is an example, is porn. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, back in the day, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to, like, I remember at, like, 16 trying to get a Playboy and like, oh, well, I have to go dress like an adult and go try <laughs> 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 wow, <you're laughs> buy horrible. it from the liquor. Shut up.
0: Playboy. boy. Stop you, it.
1: Well, you, I mean, yeah. how, how tall were you at 16? At 16? God. I
2: was...
1: So wait, 16 is... I actually was six seven.
2: At six. <laughs> so, so you yeah, look yeah. like a like a thirty five year old uh, businessman.
1: Just minus the <laughs> minus the facial hair that I probably <laughs> needed at that time to really pull it off.
2: I remember know. the first one that I bought uh, on my own. I went to this like like smoke shop in Brooklyn on Eighteenth Avenue, and yeah. and I went in there and I bought it. It was a VHS. Came in,
1: nice. Yep,
2: and we and I got back and I took it. I took it out. And I put it in the VHS player and I I, I watched it. And immediately comes up it's like a somebody had recorded little Orphan Annie <laughs> on their TV oh. and just took that VHS and stuck it in there. and when I brought it back to the to the to the smoke shop, yeah he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. you didn't buy that here. So what? this was like a scam that this guy was running on kids oh that were trying to buy inappropriate videos. That's amazing. Yeah, he was because yeah, wow. sc- what are you going to do? You can't tell your parents. You can't. You know. And he probably thought he was doing something good for the world. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll show you. I'll show those kids. Watch- now
0: you're just making me go to a rival smoke shop. I mean, he did get a <laughs> sale out of it.
2: <laughs> Every time I tell that story, people think like people are like, it was a. a- a theme, a thematic porn of Little Orphan Annie. I'm like, no, no it no, was Little no, Orphan Annie. No, no, yeah. I'm sure that
1: exists. <laughs> but, oh uh, yeah, Rule Thirty Four. <laughs> yeah, if it's, yes. if it can, <laughs> what is you know the Rule Thirty Four? If if somebody can make something dirty, they will. Oh yeah, yeah I believe so, yeah.
0: it. Yeah, I, you'll be shocked. I, you, I, I, I maybe you wouldn't be shocked, but it's 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 a whole nothing I mean, shocks me anymore. Not, right? You know what's ama- Back to to the word thing. It's cr- At what point does the word you know the B word you know? Um, Ba- dirty words. Right. Yes. Like, at what point do they lose their power? At what point do well, people are like you know, especially now I feel like you know, think, pe- you know people have seen shows on HBO. People have heard these words before. People sure. use them in their daily lives. At what point it's like we've heard these words. I mean, right. if you really strip the meaning of, I mean, I'm you know the B word can certainly be offensive and used sure to degrade you know right sure I think it's all about, about context
2: you know yes. what's the context yeah. that you're using it in what's the audience uh, right. and then also look back i think and then it's time because if you look back at like the words that were curse words in the in you know 1900 or in, in the 1800s there's definitely words that would be offensive then that nothing sure. in england mm-hmm. i think I yep. don't. I don't know if we're broadcasting in England or if I could say Eng- I know what England. England curse words. Oh, bloody yeah. Fanny. Fanny. Oh, Is yeah. the oh, worst you word. Right, yeah. Yeah. You could get beaten up over calling yes. somebody a fanny, and yes. like that. To us, it's like these words have no meaning other than the meaning that we put on them. Right. Exactly. So I, I don't know. I don't know when it changes, but I assume that time and your audience. Because if you're in England, you're going to use different words. Oh yeah. And if you're in America, you're use different words. Right. I
1: remember uh, what was that? What was that movie? Uh, Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. When uh, they're like, "Oh, just give me, call me a tosser," like, <laughs> right. "Go ahead, I dare you to call me," and there's like that started a huge, huge yeah, that came fight. Into a couple of things, right? Yeah, uh, the, <laughs> well, yeah the, 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 pretty uh,
0: much. Like the B word, for example. So, yeah. like, it's almost like people are taking that word now and like redirecting the power onto it. And right. So, like, um, like even with the N word, but uh, I, I think more so with the B word. I think the N word will always be volatile volatile but sure uh, the b-word i like now how they're
1: respelling it i like how a lot of people are reclaiming word no 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 the
0: b-word Respelling it yeah
1: like um like besh or whatever sometimes they'll use it online and they'll like
0: b-e-s-h or like oh i i think it was like that was like a kendrick lamar thing he yeah a song. It, not a song but it was like well,
1: i've seen it a lot on instagram and stuff like that or like b-e-c-h or something like that where they re spell it so they're kind of reclaiming it under a different energy. A Maybe bit. they misspelled beach. <laughs> <laughs> that could happen. That happens a lot. I live on Beach Street, but it's B E E C H and I have to like explain to everyone every time. No, it's not the the beach beach. It's the tree, the beach. All right. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fascinating radio. Fascinating radio. Yeah. So I, I like that though. I think that, you know, putting a different meaning on a word is just the language evolving. I think we need to evolve our language. Absolutely. Everything else evolves.
2: And I think there's, there's also like a level of, I don't know if it's the internet or what it is, but I feel like there's not like people aren't, here's the thing. I've got three kids now. Mm -hmm. I've got to pay a mortgage. I've got to, um, you know, bust my hump on a ladder, climbing up and down. I got to get to the theater at night. Um, I've got. I'm so busy, actually trying to struggle through life, mm-hmm. that I don't really have time to get outraged at words. Right. You know, and I think the internet gives us a platform for everybody for for a, a minority of people who uh, get offended by something mm-hmm. to seem like the majority, and it becomes yes. bigger than it is. And that's not just words. It's it's with everything ideas. Oh ideas. yeah. Ideas. So I think like when mm. like I have friends who get upset. At uh, certain things, and I'm like, if if you lost your job, you wouldn't have the energy to be upset about that. You'd be struggling to find a job. That would become the most important thing in the moment. So it's like, yeah, you can't you can't get too caught up in the illusion that is portrayed on on the internet.
1: Well, that's like my you know I've always said that the internet is for two types of people. People that are either time rich or time poor. Yeah. So it's either with people that too much time and they can have this sort of outrage machine and, you know, use it to do, you know, go down whatever rabbit hole they want to or people that just have no time and they need a little tool for convenience. Sure. Um, I always prefer that, you know, the Internet's best, I think, as for people that are time poor. That allows them to get to a place easier. It allows them to find a restaurant without, you know, calling around, going, "Hey, what time are you guys open?" Sure. So I like that a lot more. The time-rich thing. Um, if you're that time-rich, go play a video game. You know, if you like that sort of thing, then.
0: Play a video game online. Yes. In a which, chat room. Yes. That's the if you, real. If you really want to get that, outraged. That threw it out of whack. Right? Oh, my gosh. Start was, a Twitter account. I was
2: just listening to uh, uh, the Dr. Drew podcast, and he had Jay Moron. Oh, and yeah. Jay, Jay was talking about how he spent two years in an argument with a guy in, like, a New York Jets chat room or something like that. <laughs> and for two years, like, it was just a battle. Fighting, yeah, fighting, yeah. fighting. And this guy's like avatar was a Jimmy Page picture. And <laughs> okay. then he changed the, the picture to his self-portrait at the prom. For two years, he had been fighting with a kid okay. that was 16 years old. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, 15, no. it was like 15 to 17. He was arguing with this kid for two years.
1: And I think that's, that's a tough thing because you're it's it's almost like the age ladder. You're kind of pushing negativity
0: down the age ladder, yeah. which I don't know is necessarily a healthy thing. You know what <laughs> I mean? Not, like, let's not skip over the fact: for two years, <laughs> he was yeah. arguing with somebody, and it was just you know, he thought he was right. He was he had his convictions, and they were just because you've seen those. I'm sure everyone, although I'm sure most people, you know, with you know more more important things to do uh, on. More important things to do with their time. Don't squirrel down on the YouTube. Oh, oh that is that's yeah, just, that is a cesspool. It, it, sure, I and mean, whose right
2: who's no, no. mind are you ever going to change? Right, like, that's the thing. Well, it's not well that's, gonna happen.
1: they've released a lot of studies recently too. Even like with political posts on Facebook, it's like you're not changing anybody's. You're just going to reinforce. I stopped. I used to yeah. be so bad because so, I, yeah. me too. you know, I, me
2: too. after being a lawyer for ten years, I've always one of the reasons I wanted to get out of law. I had to get out of law was because I could not. Ch- it started to change who I was into an argumentative person who right. loved the argument just for the sake. It right. was like a game right and uh, but but it bleeds into your other relationships into your your into my relationship with my wife into with the kids so it's like you have to step away from that but I used to get into these terrible arguments online and and I would you know I as a lawyer I could corner you in and sh- and like clearly show that your own arguments prove my point and turn right. it back right. But it didn't make any difference. Yeah, made no to difference what end?
0: Yeah. to what end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, because you made, just because you pointed me out as being wrong doesn't mean I'm actually wrong if yeah. I don't believe I'm wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, well, and that yeah. creates
1: a whole subculture <laughs> of not listening to reason. Sure. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, It's sort of that fact resistant <laughs> mentality.
2: You know the I, I heard that the the quickest way to get somebody to dig deeper into their position is to prevent present facts yep. that yep. Show the opposite, yep. because yes. because belief is in it, it, in our minds what we believe is so much stronger than the facts that are presented to us because it's very easy for us to just discredit those facts because right. we feel a certain way, and it's 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 tough to be able to let go of that. I think I'm mm-hmm. wondering if I'm wondering
1: if the way that we have our methods of communication now make that a little too easy to do that to make you dig in a little too no, fast it, it,
0: it, because even even as it's more easier now than ever to just go and read something and. It's people will, people will people don't read anything, and then people are so entrenched. And mm-hmm. I think the internet, the advancements, it allows you to be more entrenched because you now you can you can filter and just read what you already believe, right?
2: And there's also anonymity on the internet. Anonymity, yeah. Uh, there's the idea. Louis C.K. was talking about kids. That's the worst. He was yeah. talking about kids and like how if I if I'm a kid and I poke you, and I call you a jerk. And I, I could see it hurts your face. And I go, oh, that doesn't feel good that right. I just hurt you. But if I say that on Twitter, I sit back and I'm like, oh, I feel I, I felt great. Yeah. And I, I never that get that. I never get the the, mm-hmm. the negative consequence of actually empathizing with another human being. So you put that divide. I mean, look at Anthony Weiner, right? Yeah. Here's a guy who has uh, ruined his marriage, ruined his career. And at the same time, just can't stop because there is that level of, well, There's still this thing in between me and reality, right? Even though even though reality grows out of that eventually Mm -hmm. in that moment You cannot connect with what is true and what's actually going
1: to happen There was an interesting video on the BBC where they had some guy that was a troll Mm -hmm. On the internet and they tracked him down in person (laughs) and they confronted him on camera Mm -hmm. and he was he was trying to be so reasonable and trying to be so nice and like you know, but at the same time, like, nope, but that's also my position. So I'm going to and it was it was interesting to see that change. So when you present them with the reality that they're creating. Sure. It changes their tune a lot.
2: Yeah. I've, I've tried lately with like these videos that I've been producing that. Yeah. Uh, if I get negative feedback, I I will be open to any feedback. I'll be mm-hmm. open to any notes, but I won't defend myself. Yeah. So if I put up a video that says something about uh, improv and saying yes to things and somebody types back, there's got to be a time to say no to something, right? <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, there that, absolutely is. And, sure. and I'll maybe I'll adjust my message moving forward, right. but I'm not going to get into it with you. No, exactly. Because there's, and, and you know what? You look at these guys who are even, you know, guys and gals even more famous these days. They're doing shows and then like. I can't imagine what it's like to have to go back to the internet for validation. You know, yes. you know, everybody's laughing at me. I'm in a room of five thousand people. I'm getting great applause. Right. Then you run to your hotel. How many clicks did I get? How many people liked it? What are the comments? That's,
1: That's a tough mechanism. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's because it allows people to you know skew things a little negatively. Oh, it's you know what? It's the top of the hour. We got to do a quick ID, and then uh, we will be back here in just a f- about. Less than a minute here on SDS. Student Delivered Sound, I'm
2: counting. Baldi Locks here from San Diego City College. This is KSDS HD2 San Diego. Student Delivered Sound. S-D-S.
0: Sound, this is Chris Hardwick. Google me. All right, we're
1: back. <laughs> Just got to do that at the top of where we are. All right, so you well close to it it's close to it's okay. within the little five minute range. don't judge me <laughs> I see the judgment i see it i see no okay, all right that makes me feel better <laughs> uh so what's uh what's on your what's on the horizon for you Tommy, what's what's for
2: me? Yeah, I right now I'm trying to become more. I'm more focused on my target market, which is improvisers. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get more and more of the word out there that I I teach as well as perform. Good, um, because I'm starting now to apply to now that I've got all the babies out. I don't think we're going to be having any more. Congratulations, uh, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I'm trying to get myself, I'm trying to actually promote myself as a performer and as a teacher. And I, I love teaching as much as performing. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting out these videos, I'm putting out memes, I'm putting out all sorts of different things. I'm using a lot of social media with the hope of first just being able to tour the country and do the improv festivals. Yeah. And to subsidize those, basically turn each one into a family vacation that I can subsidize by teaching in that location. I don't I don't necessarily need to make a ton of money doing it. I'm right. just looking to uh, put, put myself out there as much as possible. Sort of keep it sustainable. As you go Very smart In San Diego What I'm doing is I'm looking to I've got uh, Two main shows That I do now I have a show called The Bicoastal Experience Mm -hmm. Which is me And my two prop partner Matt Harris and we do a, a fully improvised show where the audience tells us our characters' names, and then we bring you through a journey of these characters. And eventually, the fourth wall breaks, and we bleed out into the audience, and you realize that you're actually in the show yourself. Oh, cool! And then I also do a show called "Look at What We Found," and it's a clown show. Yes, and uh, it's it's a clowning in the sense of like European stage clowning, not uh, birthday party clowning. It's like right. It's it's one of those things that we want to strip away everything that you think about what a clown is. And show you how even thing, people that you already know are clowns. Steve Martin was a clown. Oh yeah, uh, is a clown. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen studied clowning extensively. So there's so much of it that it, I think, and you're seeing a lot of that growing in the improv community now. Take clown classes as electives, and I, I teach clowning in San Diego. I teach improv in San Diego. Uh, so I'm just looking to expand those shows. That's that's my my primary focus. Uh, also, I'm trying to just produce content. And right. and the idea with the producing content is there is no main goal in mind, uh, other mm-hmm. than other than c- continuing to default into action and to produce and produce and produce, and then make my create my my creative endeavor the editing afterwards. That's good. So that's it. I'm just trying to push out a lot of stuff right now. Nice. No, I like the
1: idea of content creation. I think that you know I listen to um, a lot of Chris Hardwick mm-hmm. does the Nerdist podcast, sure. and one of the things that. Kind of across the board, he doesn't say, oh, you know, here's a lot of secrets to success. But one of the things he says is just start making it. Yeah. There's, there's such a low barrier of entry nowadays to create what you want. Absolutely. That just start start doing it. That's how a lot of the people that are really successful right now are getting recognized because they're just already doing
2: it. Yeah. and And it's a matter of being comfortable with failing. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because, like, when I when I start my my clown class, the first thing I do is I ask who can juggle, and then yes. the people that raise their hands, I say, "Can you juggle balls?" And they say yes, and then I give them clubs, or I give them, <laughs> or I give them uh, rings, uh, because I want you to get used to the idea that you're going to fail and to be okay with that. Right. And then once you start, once you're okay with that, you start producing content, and it's it's just a matter of letting go of the judgmental mind. Mm-hmm. And people think that improvisers think faster. The truth is, they don't think faster. They just don't judge the first thought. They take it. And then, right. they, and then they adjust as they're moving forward. It's way easier to have more ideas and to create more when you've got forward momentum. Yeah. When, when you're constantly stuck in square A because you're too afraid to just start, you're never going to get anywhere. It's so like that, coasting
1: down the hill with the brakes on.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah. that's all I'm doing right now is producing a lot of content. Um, I've focused all of my websites and my ideas right into my, my personal website, which is uh, tommy-gallon.com.
1: Not TommyGallon.com. No, because
2: there's a (laughs) senator in the Dominican Republic, Tommy Gallon. Yeah, and he's got. We we kind of have a race to social media. Like, (laughs) I beat him to Twitter. That's amazing. He beat me to Facebook. Uh, He beat me to the website, but I got Tommy-Gallon. Twitter's the best because I get I get tweets from like his constituency in the Dominican Republic, and I I respond back. That's As amazing. though I am him. Because I don't know. I, it's not a picture of him. It's my picture. I don't know yeah. why they think I am him. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's... it's. Have you
1: had some really good exchanges with that, or...?
2: Not really. They don't usually exchange back. I don't think they find it too comical. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I've got, I've got a serious thing to talk to you about. They're like, oh, let's... <laughs> Let's I, snap it up here. I love found comedy and found improv. I, like I te- like when the um Like when telemarketers call, they're the oh. best. I just go into character and I do scenes with them. I, That's I had, amazing. I had somebody oh, recently <laughs> called me from uh, Google. No, not from Google. It was like one of these Google affiliates, uh-huh. and they were like, Hi, we're, you know, we're with Google Goggle. ads, and, and right. we want to make sure that you're on the front page of Google. Do you know that if you're not on the front page of Google, people are going to miss your site, and you're not going to get any business? I was like, really? I was like, do you work for Google? And they're like, no, 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 we're an affiliate of Google. Oh, okay, what's the name of your company? Oh, our, our company is uh, LDS Incorporated. And it's like, really, hold on one second. Yeah. Tip, 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 I have some bad news for you. Do you know that you're not on the front page of Google? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not on the first page of Google, how could I ever do business with you? You see, I only give my business to companies that are on the front page of Google. That's brilliant. Yeah, just throw it right back out them. Wow, oh, Jesus. How you, do you
0: can't recover. The only way to re- you have to abort the phone call. <laughs>
2: yeah. And just. Oh, yeah, I yeah. love it. Keep them on there as long as you can. drink yeah. Some water. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's the best way to get it to them is waste their time.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. What? What? What is this? Cruising down the hill with your brakes on. What? Am I? Is it, does that make sense, or am I being slow right yeah, now? Yeah, coasting down the hill can with your you, brakes on. Can not you do that? My car can't do that.
1: Well, I mean, that's the that's the philosophy. Or is, is that the
0: point? Is you can't do that. Well,
1: a, a first of all, with a car, you shouldn't do that because well, I, it's well, tough duh. on the brakes. But I think it played to the metaphor where, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna go down the hill, go down the hill. Don't yeah.
2: just like.
1: Take don't just be like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Take your I'm foot off the brake and don't yeah.
2: fear the forward momentum. Right, okay. exactly. Uh, instead, of, you can't. Yeah. You're not going to go down the hill with your foot completely on the brake, and that's what most people do. Right. And then uh, some people will kind of ride the brake because yeah. the, the fear is like, "Am I afraid? I'm, I'm going I'm okay. to try it, but I'm still afraid. But I'm going to try it. I'm afraid."
1: Which you know, carrying the metaphor even further, messes up the people in front of and behind you. Sure, totally on the street. If you're going to carry that metaphor even to a metaphor,
0: accepted John Fink.
2: Hey, I am. I'm here for you, buddy. I'm as soon as he you. said it, I'm like, <laughs> you're like, wait a like minute.
1: I'm like, my foot is on a break. Some people here do. he is. Oh, it's the super tall guy. Sorry, there's a guy here that's taller than me. It freaks he me out. He walks by every mo-
0: every Monday or er, every Monday every morning. Yeah, and he's like really people tall taller.
1: Than, okay, I'll just lay it out right now. People taller than me make me really nervous. I man, I'm super I, used to I it could, being the tallest guy. Sure, of course. That makes you nervous. It makes me nervous. It scares well, the hell out of me.
2: You like you and I. Are, how tall are you? Five foot ten. Five ten. I'm five seven, five eight on a good day. Yeah. And uh, I'm very used to people taller and shorter than me. So I've kind of fallen into just this acceptance that I'm right in the middle of everybody. I could imagine that if you're the tallest person your whole life, that when you see somebody taller than you, it's like, oh my god, that's an alien who could eat me. Right. That's the thing. It's like it.
1: Okay, up here is like my private beach. <laughs> You know, and it's like even if you have a private beach, if you see some guy way, way off on the beach all the way down there, you're like, get that guy off my beach. (laughs) It's sort of that mentality. B-E-E. Yes. Thank you. Nice callback. (laughs) (laughs) Nice job, Marcus. But like
2: you guys. Who says you don't improvise, Marcus? Yeah, see?
1: (laughs) No, but like if you guys showed up at a party and, okay, I'm trying to like translate this like if either of you showed up at a party and you were clearly the tallest person there wouldn't that freak you out like a little bit wouldn't that be like it would freak me out man it's maybe a me...
2: really short party right
1: exactly that's the thing it's like i'm trying to think like what what would freak other like normal size people about? i
0: I do we have this co-worker who's uh i believe she's four foot eight. Oh, sweetie <laughs> <laughs> oh and it's just i'm
1: i'm two feet and two inches taller than her <laughs> and it's
0: just uh it's 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 just a little weird but i don't because she's so short right and uh like her feet are so small yeah and she has to climb on top to get like you does know, she really powdered sugar or something yeah Aww. but it's um i no, it wouldn't be weird if everybody was taller i mean because i guess like he said i'm just used to being in a world where i will see people who are taller than me i will see people who are shorter than me right um or if like you went to an NBA
1: party and you were clearly the shortest person there, wouldn't it make you like just no, take notice a not little me, bit? Not me, but
2: I'm different. But, yeah, I but can you do a lot of sports point. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Sports. Sports. Yeah. Is your wife tall?
1: My wife is six three.
2: Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. So,
1: so yes. <laughs> so yes. Uh but I have dated women that were very short. Like <laughs> once upon a time I dated a woman that was five foot. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the nail in the coffin to that relationship was oh, yeah. out at the mall. Oh. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> no. I was holding hands with her, and some, <laughs> somebody asked me why I was treating my daughter like that.
0: Oh. Uh, whoop, that actually rough. went better than how I thought it was going to go. Okay. Well, no. That
1: was <laughs> I don't, I'm don't. i scared of where you thought that was going to oh, go. Yeah. That was bad enough. Believe me. I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable
0: now. I just watched I a lot of uh, Law and Order. Oh, that'll put
1: your mind in the, weird
0: places. You know places. the 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 messed up thing about Law and Order. So, like, I don't like that type of show. Like, the only thing that well, then why are you watching? I, will you let me explain? Okay, Jonathan? go ahead. Think? Go
1: ahead. Oh, so now I'm the guy that you're railing. Okay, Can I ahead. explain? Go ahead.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> I did, let the silence sit as part of the 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 humor. All right, dramatic pause. Get on. All right. All right so <laughs> the the thing about Law and Order is. It's like I do not like those shows. I don't I mean unless it has like the cheese where it's like CSI, okay. Or C S I Miami. Uh maybe you'll get me into it. But the thing about Law and Order is those first two minutes you cannot turn off. So like yeah. if I'm watching something, if I'm watching, you know, whatever, and then Law and Order comes on afterwards and I see those first two minutes where it sets up the next, you know, forty minutes. Right. It's and it just hooks you, right? Then after you get past the two minutes, it's always like, well, how did this happen? Oh, fifteen minutes have gone by. Oh, now an hour has gone by. It's almost like I was watching. Get the get hooks, uh, yeah, Watching the Matrix, I was like, I'm not gonna watch this movie. It's three hours long, yeah. And then you know, fifteen minutes. The first fifteen minutes go by, and I'm like, well, who is this Morpheus? Well, was, <laughs> was Lawrence Fishburne a good actor? I know he was good in um the kid where he's uh. You're going to have to narrow it down. There's He's in a
1: lot of stuff.
0: That, really? Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah. He's an accomplished actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. What's that movie? Is, is it Boys in the Hood? No, not. it might be Boys. It is Boys. Is it Boys in the Hood? I think might it is be. Boys in the Hood. Either that or Do the Right Thing. Yeah, see, I haven't seen Do the Right Thing. Mm, I don't know if it's Do the Right Thing.
1: I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, see, this is one of those things that the
0: internet's great for. It's yeah. like,
1: oh, okay, find me the answer right now.
0: Also, yes. one of the one of the things the internet is great for: Google his daughter. Who's oh Lawrence Fishburne's daughter Lawrence Fishburne's daughter is yeah. gorgeous, is she? Yeah, well, she's also why. done some adult. Yeah,
1: that's things why. Too. Oh,
0: where yes. it, it just it just makes your heart break for Mr. Fishburne. Like, yeah, he
1: what did he actually came out life? publicly and said like. You know, she makes her own choices. I'm not happy
2: about it, but she's an adult. I prefer if she was in yeah. the stage production of Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, exactly. But, but not but, that. But we're doing production. the porn parody Right, of right, Little right, Orphan right, N- <laughs> right.
0: Don't give her any ideas.
1: Yeah. yeah. Lawrence Fishburne's daughter, if you're listening, don't listen to her. Which he's,
0: I didn't find him good in the first Matrix. I had the three of them recorded. I just thought he was-
1: the, okay, the first one I was okay. I was excited when I watched the first one because I was like, "This this trilogy is probably going to be as good as Star Wars." But then, like the second and third one, I was like, "Oh, I guess not."
0: Really? See, i I, I have them three. I have three of them recorded. I've gotten past the first one, which I may, really it just seems. I mean, I the like rest. the concept. I love the science fiction about it, but it yeah. just it's just yeah, and it's too long. Blah blah blah. But i think I'm gonna watch what is it, The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix something else. I think I'm gonna complete or the the trilogy, and we'll see. It's kind of a slog. They're they're all three hours. Well, they just I understand they're they're the first one. Believe they're all
1: very long, but oh, I think that the, the yeah, I think the second and the third ones, they have all these weird plot holes. There's like people living underground, and oh it my just god, got, yeah, it just got see, a little
0: weird. I might delete it off my DVR. I just I just. 3 hours. I, I understand the first one being 3 hours. You got to set it's a very com- not complex. It's not like Inception. But it's it's a deep story. Sure. I oh, understand yeah. the first one being 3 hours, but you can tell you can tell me a story in an hour and a half.
2: I find that I uh, I don't really dislike many things when it comes to like movies and stuff like that. Yeah. It it really takes a lot like like when people See, like for example, Superman versus Batman or Batman versus Superman. Yeah, like I remember seeing on social media a lot, like terrible. Yeah. I can't believe I saw that. What right. a what nonsense! And I see it, and I just I just buy into everything. I'm like I liked it. I don't. Yeah. I Like I like everything, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like um, I don't know. But there's only there was one movie. Uh, Solaris with George Clooney. Did you ever see it? I that? never saw that, but I... Don't could. ever do. <laughs> like, we walked out. We we literally left the theater, uh, I think, before the last 10 minutes. We, we tried so hard. We tried so hard. It was just terrible. And then we watched him on an interview, like, the next week, poo-pooing his own movie. Really? Yeah, oh. it was really bad. But, like, I don't get caught. I kind of just buy into the... Uh, the the reality well, yeah. well, some some oh the the recent Star Wars movie people were saying stuff like uh, oh yeah you know it was they how do they blow up that 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 Death Star planet with just this when it took so much to blow I'm like you know who's I didn't really great at that? any
1: of that stuff who's really great at that actually is uh, Ben oh. Martin. Oh who, yeah, who goes? He he's really good at being like. Well, what about this? This doesn't really, you know, part of this. I'm like, just just love it, man. Just See, that's drink what it I in. do in movies.
0: Yeah, you like, pick like it I, apart. It's not that I pick it apart. I'll just realize, a like, if, so you, if you have a transition from one yeah. scene to the next, and the sun is in the total, like I'm not gonna make a criticism of it, but I'll just, right. it just like, oh, so that was it. Took it took a lot to either shoot that scene or they started sure. it at twelve and finished it at four o'clock. It's I just love the little, little details. Trips like that, is though. But like the inconsistencies, I it's just it, it won't bother me.
2: But it is something. It'll catch like, your eye. It just bad acting gets me the most. Yeah, oh, like, like yeah. bad acting, I I can only uh, there are certain I can only take so much. Yeah, there's only yeah. there's <laughs> certain and there's some actors like like um, name them. Uh, come on, Kevin Costner. I yeah. can't watch any Kevin Costner movies because every <laughs> single character is Kevin Costner. Right. He's the, he does, He's the same yeah. guy in every single movie. Uh, Kiana like Reeves. We were, yeah, I mean, uh, Kiana Reeves. It's, if it's he plays still the Bill right character, Ted. it's fine. Yeah, but it's, exactly, it's, it's still, still Bill and Ted. Ted. Yeah, so it's like there are certain characters. There are certain actors that they just don't do it for me because I'm tired of seeing them. Like, yes. show me, show me. A, I like it when I like when, when the actor melts into the character and you like you almost believe like that's a different person now right mm-hmm. i do and like julie, that. julie is good at that I, yes. michelle
0: rodriguez i know she's a bad actress she's not a good i mean you know what what does that mean she's successful uh i don't find her as a i don't find her as at all as a talented actress however anytime she's in a movie i will watch that movie right she's just attached to good movies it's just sure it, like, the, she has a bad, like, she plays herself, and herself is kind of dull. Right. But for some reason, like, I I appreciate her dullness even while realizing she's not a good actress. No, I get
1: that. I'm going back to Kevin Costner. I can't really watch him because I know things about him in real life. What Ooh, do too.
2: Hey. Well,
1: uh, as a massage therapist, oh. who's been in the industry for 20 years. Um, I know people that have worked on him, and he is um, not a kind person.
2: Oh yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, I, yeah. I he I doesn't don't...
0: have a kind
2: sounding name. I don't know Kevin how you could be. Kostner. I don't know how you could be famous like that and not just be the nicest person because yeah, every isn't. I mean, don't you know that everybody's looking to take you down?
1: Well, and everybody's your boss. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. basically, you know. Your, oh, no. your favorability rating is is how you get your paychecks. I mean, I, that's why I love uh, meeting people at Comic-Con that do like cartoon voices mm. because they are so generous with their time and they're so appreciative and they're just, they're great, great people. And I think that's one of the cool things about improv too. And I was listening to uh, Mike Birbiglia's uh, he was on a pod, on the Nerdist podcast mm. talking about his Don't Think Twice movie. Sure. And his wife was saying, um, you know, I just noticed that your stand-up comedian friends are so mean and your improv friends are so nice. And so there's this different kind of community as, you know, e- improv versus stand-up and, you know, screen actors versus voiceover people. Sure. It's just a different community.
2: Yeah. I there, There's for years you've i've always heard like little quips here and there about like improv and stand up and the differences and like yeah. there's like like stand ups don't like improvisers improvisers don't like stand up i don't think that's true no but what i find is like i've never really been good at stand up because i don't have the self discipline mm. and it's such a solo like focused uh, it's art it's almost form. like
1: you're just selling your jokes
2: yeah, you're selling your jokes and there's a lot of self-deprecation and 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 not all stand-ups by any means mm-hmm. but I do find that when it, there's something different about creating something on your own than collaboration with others and improv's a collaboration with others and you can't you can only get so far being the showboat or the superstar, or right. the 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 leader, like you have to kind of follow the follower and be willing to submit to other people. And it's just it's just grab I think different people gravitate towards it. Oh yeah,
1: it's a different personality that succeeds in that sort of environment.
2: Sure, sure, absolutely. There's a lot more money in stand up. Oh yes, there
1: is. But if you're doing it right, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. Oh yeah. Well, and you know we have some of our improvisers like Christina Perry who does stand up, mm-hmm. and a couple other people that are really good. You know, oh yeah. Yeah, I saw her at uh, Madhouse. It was, it was great.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would love to do stand up. I just every time I've tried to jump into it, it's it's like I start it, I write my jokes, I get out there, I start playing them, and then as soon as I miss that first night, yeah. as soon as I let myself that first like excuse, yeah, it all comes tumbling down. But right. with improv, I've I'm I'm uh, I'm accountable to the people that I get on stage with. So if I don't show up, it's like it's like we were talking about with uh, the Internet and how easy it is to make a comment about somebody. You don't see how they react. If I don't show up the next time I show up or if if I don't show up for two things, I don't show up for rehearsal. Eventually, I can start to feel the vibe. that everybody's giving me like, hey, why? Why aren't you here? Yeah. Nobody gives that to you in stand up. If you don't have the, you know, the drive to do it yourself, nobody's going to keep you on your game. Yeah. They're like so long. Wouldn't.
1: Yeah. More room for us. Sure. Yeah, absolutely,
2: absolutely. Right. No, I totally get that. Uh,
1: let's get another song here in another song.
2: Yeah, let's do some more uh, De La Soul here Do you have uh, did you were you able to find uh, me myself and I No, uh, uh,
1: I can pull that actually I will pull that here while we're doing a couple other things Oh, cool. but um, in the meantime, let's do one of their n- other new songs This is actually De La Soul and Snoop Dogg together. Oh nice. So they did a lot of cool little, you know, Woof. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this one's called "Pain." I think it's appropriate here on SDS. Student delivered sound. was that all about? Why huh? is it? Uh, why is "Pain" so appropriate? Because it. Got, I just listened to the lyrics. Damn it! All right, here we go. And we're back. SDS. Student delivered sound. Had to play some George old Clinton. Well, yes, uh. sampled George Clinton on some De La Soul. That was their most famous one. Me, myself, and I. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Uh, before that, we had uh, Black Star with Definition. Uh, Black Star. Black Star, which was uh, Most Def and Talib Kweli together. Which Can is say a, his name again? Most Def. Nope. Talib Kweli. Talib Kweli. Okay, sure. Um, that's <laughs> that album of them together as Black Star is a really good complete album. So that's that's one. If you haven't heard that, it's worth the listen. Talib Kweli, yes, and he's done a lot of cool stuff too. I, he had that one uh, recently called "Get By," that was really good. Get
0: em high with know. Kanye West. No, that's Off. not
1: what we're talking about at all. He did
0: a song.
1: Taleb did.
0: Yeah. Okay. You think I'm just making this up? I thought you were just making <laughs> stuff up with Kanye West. Okay. Called "Get em High." Okay. It's actually a really good song. All right. You should go listen to it. All
1: right, I will. Speaking of Kanye
0: West, Oh, Jesus, don't do this. Uh, when are we uh, buying tickets to go see his show in L.A.? Look, just because- Have <sighs> you Hold on, hold on. Have you seen his his stage setup? It's a floating stage.
1: Yeah, I don't want to pay that much money to you see- You don't even know how much it is.
0: How much is it? You don't even know how much it is. I can guarantee
1: <laughs> you it's more than I'm willing to pay.
0: They actually are expensive. I looked this morning. I was like, oh, my God. How expensive? much are they? Okay, so here's the thing. So since there's no stage, yes. since the stage is in the air. Right. Think about that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, general admission is on the floor. I think I saw 325. Go! Oh, man. And I was like, now wait a minute. Beyonce is, char- I'm, is charging uh, like 170 uh, this is to sit money. in the bleachers. I love you, Kanye, but I'm not paying two, three hundred dollars to see you.
2: I've paid the most I've paid for tickets were I saw uh, Roger Waters do The Wall, oh, at Yankee Stadium, and close up fo- floor seats, like maybe tenth row floor seats, mm-hmm. and I think those were five hundred each, and I and I got two of them for me and my wife, mm-hmm. and I got two more expecting to scalp them and make so, more money, yes, and then they added or th- yeah, and then I think they added another date. And then oh immediately, no. again, we were just talking about like scarcity and like right, yeah. like Disney movies—they make them scarce, and the value goes up. Right. As soon as you add more dates in, the ticket price is cut. You know, it's not as valuable anymore.
0: I was looking at resale, so I so this this, this Beyonce concert next week in, in, in next week in L.A. I was looking. I was like, you know what? I have these seats. I, let me see if I can move closer. I know I'd be, but if I sell the tickets I have now, let's say I sell them, a, I you know I bought them two tickets, one seventy each, three forty total. Let's say I sell them and I get. Say four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. If I sell them for four hundred dollars and I buy tickets closer for five hundred dollars, I'm only losing a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let's let's let's. And then you look at resale and the amount. I mean, these people are crazy if they think people are gonna buy these. I don't, Some will, but really? to mark I, up a ticket that you bought for let's say four hundred dollars to sell it for nine hundred. I mean...
2: Have you... Yeah, is this like on StubHub? And Ticketmaster.
0: S- Ticketmaster, oh, okay. Yeah. It,
2: it's great. Now, I, I know s- some websites are better. They're cra- great. No, I would say worse. Like, I've seen things oh. where where prices, even the day of, they're still trying to get rid of them for like $1,500 a ticket. Yeah, you're crazy. And, and, I, and I feel like... See, every time I try to do that, it backfires <laughs> and I lose money. <laughs> right. I did that yeah. for Paul McCartney right. tickets when he was at uh, City Field in New oh, York. Okay. And... Um, I bought I bought tickets. I expected to buy like an extra one to sell it, and it just didn't sell. And I had to give it to my brother and just take him because I wasn't gonna let the ticket go to waste. Yeah. you know You gotta eat the costs. But then. that's crazy. Like, are are these people on StubHub? Are they really selling them for that much? They, they are. They, yeah. I have
1: a, I have a friend actually. Um, I have a friend that works for StubHub,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and he people are doing it. I don't get they, it. It's 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 so well for lack of a better word it's so ephemeral like it just it, it you have to catch it at exactly the right time and under the perfect circumstances and it's such a gamble and you know at this point now you've got performers that are trying to subvert that
2: sure. so you have
1: to not only outsmart the public but the performer that's providing the tickets yeah. so you've got all these things working against you so you have to be
0: very very lucky so- some of the tickets were like, okay, so I can understand if you're gonna charge a ticket you bought for eight hundred dollars, you sell for nine thousand. If it's front row, sure. But some of these seats are like behind Moseley. where I am. The original price is one eighty. These people are selling it for four hundred dollars. It's like, why would? It's not worth it, right? To I, be I, that far back. It used to, to be illegal. It used yeah. to be yeah. illegal like, it's, I always I, thought it was illegal I always thought if you got caught bad news for you there,
2: there yeah. used to be things that were illegal that like for like scalping used mm-hmm. to be illegal uh marking up the price of something too much was illegal yeah, right. charging interest rates at, it was called usury to charge interest rates over a certain amount yeah when they got rid of those laws what they did was they created this whole industry of like predatory lending and all that yeah and now it's like you you, you want to get you're a low-income person you have a not so great credit score you need money you're yeah. paying through the nose I just saw this thing on how, what they're doing with cars now where uh, like a used car dealership will take a, uh, a terrible $2,000 car, sell it to somebody for like 3000 because they have bad credit. Yeah. Then they the car, car dealership gives the loan. So now, now they've got a loan at a 25% interest rate. You default. They take the car back. You still owe the money. Right. Then they turn and they give that car to somebody else and they do it eight times. So now they've taken this $2,000 car, they've whacked it eight times on eight different people for two, three grand, mm-hmm. and now they've got $15,000 wow. to $20,000 in debt owed to them and they still have the car in their lot. Evil genius. It is. Uh, well, is and that's the that's
1: the same thing they did with the housing bubble. Yeah. It's, they're essentially applying the same business model that got the housing bubble to burst.
2: Yeah, and it worked until the prices all dropped. Right, it's scary. I don't, I don't know how. Like, I think we're just gonna, we're going to see another debt crisis, either with the auto industry oh, or student yeah. loans or something. Because it's well, it's cyclical. It's scary. Well, and it's it's
1: you know that's how the economy works. I mean, yeah. it's just going to go up and down, no matter what it is, because people had kind of, like like we're saying even with improv, you're going into this because you have to, and you're course correcting as you go. Sure. So there's a natural ebb and flow to that.
2: Yeah. With the- I, I wonder how much, like, the government should be protecting people from themselves. You know, like, I, yeah. at a certain point, I feel like, well, you know, it's good that we have a lot of freedoms and mm-hmm. the, the government should in- interfere too much. Yeah. But when when there are deceptive practices, you think, yeah. mm, I I wouldn't mind having a little bit of protection because right. I can't keep my mind on everything. I can't right. read through every fine print. So it's nice to know that this company is uh, blocked from taking so much interest from me or whatever it is. Oh,
1: yeah. You'll see that even on the little, like... You know the the quick loan kind of things. They'll say, "Oh, and by the way, we don't work in New York." Question. At the very end, you're like, "Oh, well, then, then things are happening." Because
0: New York has a state law. Yeah, as a what I refer to you as a former lawyer. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, retired actually? Okay. Mm-hmm. How how often did you do you read fine print of? Like Cartoon's user agreement stuff? Like or? now? Yeah, or ever.
2: No, not at all. Okay. Because most of the things that I, there would be a user agreement for, I'm already like Apple products. I'm an Apple product person now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I use Macs. I've got the iPhone. Uh, in my belief system, there is no superior product right now, and I can't say, well, it's either I sit and read through this. It doesn't make a difference what's in there. Right, that's I'm going I'm to need at. that iPhone. That's either the way. barrier of using it. So, yeah. it's yeah. like you t- if there's a if there's a fine print on a, an airline ticket, I'm not reading it because I'm not driving across country. You're the only company. Yeah. You're the airline that's going to take me there.
0: Was, so, so what I'm getting at? So, there's a South Park episode where it's like, okay, well, if I, what if I put, you know,
2: we get your firstborn
0: child or yeah, something, or just yeah. something ridiculous. Is that could 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 a company actually do that like so in terms of agreement well if you sign up for this if you click I agree um, you know I could for no reason just charge you $100
2: yeah there's I, I don't I haven't practiced law in a long time and that's an area that I never practice at all hmm. but I'm pretty sure that the courts would look at it and ask like would a reasonable person signing up for this iPhone expect that after 2 years when you return the phone you also have to return 10 pints of blood right mm-hmm. Th- i don't think a reasonable per- person would ever connect those two things and so of you course. could probably punch holes through that agreement on stuff like that but that's like it, someone, that's yeah. just waiting to be done for no reason just to be like well i mean you uh, we have, you
0: clicked that you read and you agreed to the Serve in terms of, and conditions.
2: I feel like... But like a lease, like if you signed a lease and in your lease it said that you your quiet hours start at 2 p.m.? <laughs> that might sound yeah. ridiculous to you, but <laughs> that would be something in the terms of a rental lease. They could put that in there and right. you should probably read through your rental lease.
0: I kind of feel like the rental lease, those are things that even your parents tell you, okay, you have to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because right. there's things with like the garbage, there's things with... Sure. Like, Going back to that, to that MAGA thing, I don't even know if, well, I don't know if I can put the garbage can in the garbage can. I mean, I'm yeah, gonna you know, how hard is it but, to
1: throw away a trash can? Right. Yeah, there's a good stand up thing about that. No, Carlin, trash yeah, exactly. I throw it away at. Well, and that's the thing. Maybe you just have to put but it I in a big know trash if I can. can. I mean, I won't.
0: Like they say, yeah. like on the garbage can, this pl- is being monitored by cameras, when in actuality, there isn't any cameras there. But, right. um, yeah, so like there's would you, all these types. I think the rental agreement type things are things that, like, well, people that's why think I think you that, have to read those. That's why I think
1: that, you know, we need to have a better system for healthcare because, you know, when you are having a medical emergency, you don't get to like shop around. Sure. You can't be like, <laughs> oh, I'm having a heart attack. Let's check Yelp. Yeah. And see what, you know, the best hospital is because I just need to go get treated.
2: Yeah. So we need to have a different
1: system for
2: that at least specifically. If there's anything that those like user agreements, contracts, fine print, if there's anything that where any place where that's abused a lot, it's gotta be insurance. Oh,
1: yeah. Because insurance what
2: they do is they put in these vague terms Mm -hmm. like uh, this is what when i practiced law i represented medical com- like uh, chiropractors uh, uh, all sorts of different doctors oh, medical cool. facilities mm-hmm. and uh, you, let's say you get into a car accident you go to your doctor or your chiropractor that treats you at the end of 3 months of treatment they're going to send you to their doctor the insurance company's doctor and the insurance company's doctor is going to say the treatment's no longer medically necessary and in your when you're reading through your insurance policy if you read it it'll say we will pay up until it's no longer medically necessary right. but what's medically necessary when the insurance company's doctor is paid by the insurance company and oh. they're the ones saying it's no longer medically necessary so I would step in as the lawyer and I would then sue the insurance company to, to prove it's medically necessary and you must continue to keep paying but like when insurance companies use though that that language they create so many carve outs to deny because that's their job is right. to find ways to save money and deny treatment and deny like, exactly. I don't I, and yeah. I've after practicing for ten years, i don't believe there's even the slightest drop of altruism in the insurance industry I think it's, oh no it's just like how do it's numbers there's no, no people it's numbers and dollars and if we can use these words to to, to get you they do right there was a, a of all things a saw movie like one <laughs> saw? Of <the> horror movie <laughs> <laughs> I think oh it was gosh. number
0: five and the whole was I, I think they collected just insurance people uh, ah. and they were like you know will you deny co-, like they got like seven or eight people that were intertwined in, in not in necessarily insur- insurance fraud hmm. but just denying sure good people basic coverage just to save the dollar yep, yep. and so that was like the entire movie and uh you know, it was—it's it, the cautionary tale for the people that work in the
1: insurance
2: industry. The, right. the saw movies are getting a little bit uh, politically motivated. Yeah, that's right, man. They I, I, a, I t- message, watched
0: right? those movies and oh, I yeah. enjoyed those. And I swear, I kid you not, I for some reason, maybe it's just me. Okay. I hope someone agrees with me on this. About what I'm about. I to haven't say. seen any of the Saw movies, so I can't oh, tell. What? The, first, the first, few are few. I I am
1: not a horror movie watcher.
0: I'm not either. Yeah. yeah. The first few, or after watching, I can't believe you. The first right. uh, few Saw movies, I was like, you know what. You know, be a good person because if you're not a good person, some people in a mass are gonna snatch you up, and you're gonna have to do something. <laughs> That's carousel.
1: the underlying message of a lot of horror movies. I mean, if you're
0: the first one to have sex, if you're
1: the first one to do drugs, if you're the first one to be a jerk, don't be. They're gonna to come get kid, you.
0: To, to that kid named Jason, who has <laughs> deformities, right? Because that kid, uh, he knows some things, right? And he is otherworldly and he'll give you he'll kill you
1: <laughs> well and i think that actually it's interesting because that goes back to the status thing if you if you meet someone where they are at their status oh i gotta go i'm parking too we're oh, parking so. marcus <laughs> 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 wow that came out of nowhere i'm sorry no, no no it's good man uh but like we were saying though if you meet someone at their status if you meet them where they're at that's how they communicate sir nice to meet
2: you nice man
1: that's that's a big thing. So it's
2: so you gotta you gotta yeah. meet Freddy Krueger at his desk you, exactly. sh- you gotta show up with your own hand blades. Yes, yes. You yeah. gotta
1: you know do the handshake, but you're kind of sharpening <laughs> the blades at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> shoom shoom shoom. Yeah, that's what it's all
2: about. Oh man. Yeah. This has been great. I mean, this has this has been has, been really I can't cool. believe that we've been here for just about two hours now. This flew by. Exactly. It flew by. Isn't this fun? You it g- is. Please come back. Oh, I certainly will. Okay, good. Yeah, I certainly good. will. You know, I've been uh, doing a podcast with my wife called uh, The Lost Parents. Yes. And we got a little website, thelostparents.com. Cool. Uh, but I found that uh, first few were, you know, a little clunky, getting our, getting oh, our yeah. sea legs. But now we stopped after the baby was born. We had our third son in August, mm-hmm. and uh, it's we're, we're thinking about getting it, picking it back up again. So this was inspiring to get back on the get Good. back on the mic. Yeah. Yes,
1: well, I'm glad that's uh, I'm glad that's happening for you, man. That's, and please, I mean, anytime you want to come back, you're absolutely welcome
2: to. Absolutely. How else
1: can. For people that are listening, how else can they get in touch with you? We talked about your website. Sure. um, Twitter, Facebook, give it all.
2: Okay. So website has pretty much everything. That's uh, Tommy-Gallon.com. And it's Gallon, G-A-L-A-N. So wwwtommy dot ncom My Twitter handle is at Tommy Gallon. Uh, Snapchat, Tommy the Gallon. Nice. Uh, I have one other thing that's Tommy. So if if, if, it's not, if you're not finding me under Tommy Gallon, look for Tommy the Gallen. And Lost Parents, lostparents.com, that's the podcast. Uh, my improv is uh, by Coastal Improv, but that's all through my website. Right. If you want to take improv classes, I teach at Finest City Improv. I also do private coaching. And... Um, yeah, that's. What that's, about the Juggle Gym? Don't. Yeah, don't, but don't the Juggle Gym is kind of like a, a summer project when my okay. gutter business slows down. I'm looking to create stuff and do stuff, yeah. and people had asked me that. So, uh, I'm actually, I've actually been thinking about creating something because there's only so many people that wanted to learn how to juggle, but the improv community is exploding. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about doing uh, Ninja Improv, which would be. Uh, only it would be limited to like six students. It would be drop-in workshops, uh, six students. Diagnostics Ooh. where we do scene work in the beginning. I identify your habits and then I give you tools to get out of those habits. Good. Uh, so that's something that I've been I've been toying around with, but I haven't really launched yet. Okay. Um, if you want to check out, well, oh, I have a YouTube page, but I am not savvy enough to have a hundred subscribers yet. So oh, yes, get go,
1: a, so go subscribe right now. Yeah,
2: you can go on Tommy-Gallon.com. If you click on the videos link, you can see some of the links and the subscribe button is there otherwise my 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 youtube name is like u q r one five seven b three it just keeps going on forever right but eventually i'll be tommy the gallon at youtube also perfect perfect
1: awesome man well thank you so much for coming on my Uh, pleasure this will be this will be a regular thing this uh once we get the semester started we're gonna get a lot more eyes on the station so there'll be more people interacting as we go cool yeah, we'll have some good times. Yeah,
2: I like this big glass window here. I think we should do some uh, some like come to the window, win a prize type. That's a good idea. Generating some some uh, more more listeners here. We we'll
1: do a trivia thing where they have to like, you know, almost like let's make a deal. Uh-huh. Like show up with a with a handful of peanuts and you get like a prize <laughs> or something. We'll do something like that where they just can like show us something. Do there. you have
2: acting acting students here? Oh yeah, We've I can got give a great out. Uh, I can give out free improv workshops as prizes. Oh my god, that's fantastic! Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to promote to your acting and performers.
1: Yeah, and we have a really good. We got a good theater program here. That one guy that was saying hi in the window is yeah. a good filmmaker, and he does good acting
2: too. Ah, so. beautiful! Yeah, yeah I'd yeah. love. To, I'd love to you know plug into more of the student body here. I mean, they're here. We can we can cross market and certainly pass value back and forth so let's do it awesome
1: man yeah awesome well thank you so much for coming thank you thank you thank you um, I will be back let's see uh, Monday at 10 a.m. so uh, thank you for listening and um, let's kind of find a good song to get out of here um, oh do you know about lityrics no okay we're gonna t- we're gonna get out on lady don't techno. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next time on SDS.